And now it's time for the Kentucky Sports Connection radio show, hosted by Brad Woodcock and TJ Mounts. Hello and welcome everyone to the Kentucky Sports Connection radio show. I am your host, Brad Woodcock, joined today by TJ Mounts, my co-host. And we have a special guest, a third person to our radio team today, Darren Meese. So this is actually our first ever episode that's going to go live on the radio. So are you guys excited about this? I'm pretty dang excited. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Well, you guys sound ecstatic. So we've got a jam-packed show for you guys today. Lots of things that we need to cover. Uh, we've got Kyle Wilcher. Is he going to transfer? Is he not going to transfer? Do we know? No, nobody knows except for Kyle Wilcher, maybe. Then we've also got uh, the NBA draft happened uh, earlier last month. Nerlens Noel got drafted sixth. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Archie Goodwin going 29th to the Phoenix Suns and what that means. And then in the final segment, we're going to talk about football recruiting. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and get started. Let's get into it. Kyle Wilcher, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Do we know? Is the girlfriend effect going to happen that Matt Jones talks about? Is is his girlfriend going to keep him here? What's going to happen? Maybe. Man, whew, you sound confident. That was that was a confident sound. I know, right? I, for me personally, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. Like, I think he's going to leave. I think he should leave. I think it's... It, I've always said, I've said since this happened, since he said he was going to transfer or the thought came up last week, that I think it's better for him to transfer. I think he's going to do better outside, somewhere else, in an in a, in a offense that's going to be more to his strengths. Um, I'm not sure where that is or where it's going to be, but I think he would be better. See, I don't really, I don't really agree with that. I don't think he's going to be better going and playing in a place like Gonzaga. I mean, like if you look at his historically, can you name any great pros who have come from Gonzaga? I can't really think of any off the top of my head, other than um, Kelly Olynyk. No, he's not a no. <laughs> um, Adam Morrison, Carl Malone, and Morrison, John Stockton, John Stockton came. From but Gonzaga, but from Adam, Adam, yeah, he did, but he wasn't ever a great pro. Uh, he wasn't ever really any good. But he's been hurt. He's playing again, isn't he? Well, I mean, he still isn't very good. I mean, like he's the, probably the greatest player that's come out of Gonzaga in the past what twenty years, and he's you know not doing anything in the league. Kyle Wilcher benefits from you know where, having wait, the competition where, where, that we where have at Steve Kentucky. Nash play at? Steve Nash plays at LA now. No, where did he? Oh, play at? He played at. Um, I want to say Santa Clara or uh, Santa somewhere Clara. like Santa that. Santa Clara was right. Santa Clara. That's um, right. Sorry. So uh, Kyle Wilcher, you know, he would fit into that mold. He would pl- he would put up good stats against the WCC or whatever in the World Conference Gonzaga is in anymore. I don't know the all all this conference realignment stuff that going sounds on. Sounds right. Um, either the WCC or the WAC, one or the other. Um, he'd put up good stats against the Portlands and the, the Santa Claras and St. Mary's of the world. He probably, you know, he might even average over 20 points. But the point is that in order to get ready for the NBA, he needs to be in a system like what he would be in at Kentucky. See, when he goes to the NBA, he's not going to be a superstar. He's going to be a specialist. He's going to be a three-point shooting specialist, a he's guy who can come in and give you instant offense, not really a defender, 
But that's exactly the kind of role that he would fill at Kentucky even next year. Yeah, and, I mean, in the NBA, he would be like Mike Miller or um, Steve Novak. Steve Novak was a good one. Um, Novak, Cheklovich, or whatever that guy. A uh, Dan uh, uh, Bonner, the Bonner, Matt Bonner, Matt Bonner, the guy from Ryan Anderson. Maybe. Yeah, kind of, well, not really Ryan. Ryan Anderson's actually kind of athletic, but uh, he'd be kind of like a Matt Bonner in the league, but maybe even a little better than Matt Bonner. Um, to me, he just he fits into what Kentucky has uh, as like a specialist. He's he's the kind of guy. He's a luxury to have this year, obviously. But um, you know, he I don't understand really the need for him to transfer at this point. I mean, he's going to get good playing time. Even I mean, he may not get you know twenty plus minutes next year, but he'll play. You know, people act like he's just oh he's not going to play at all. I don't think that's true. I think that he would play next year. In more than just mop-up minutes, he's not John Hood. He's Kyle Wilcher. He played even his freshman year with the team that they had. This team is is deeper, but he had, he brings something to the table that none of the other big men bring. I mean, like you said, he was key in times, you know, in the NCAA championship run for the for his freshman. I mean, we year. need to remember that he almost dropped thirty on Mississippi down in Mississippi. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy that gives you instant offense, and when he's on, he's very he's very talent. He's very dangerous. And I also agree with the fact that, you know, surrounded by other great players, it will help him. It will help him, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, Mature? No, it will help him. It will help him be better on the court with surrounded by other players. It definitely raises skill level and and raises confidence for going against the best players in college basketball here in Kentucky. Now, I've heard that an option that is being put on the table right now by his father and by Kyle Wilcher himself, is that he could possibly redshirt this year to have the year to work on his body. You know, Kentucky's loaded this year. He wouldn't get as much playing time, but then to take a redshirt year, which he would have to do anyway if he transferred. He would have to sit out a year. So take that redshirt year and then be back in 2014 uh, with, Kyle, with Carl Towns and, and that recruiting class and start over again from there as a junior. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good option. Coach Cal's already signed off on it. What do you guys think about it? I still think he probably would be better. I mean, personally, I think he would be better going to a, a team that's going to play more. I mean, he was a top 20 recruit coming to high school. I think he's going to play 20-plus minutes if he transfers somewhere else, um, 20 to 30 minutes. So I think. But does playing more minutes mean that he's going to be better when, in terms of being NBA ready? Because you're probably playing on a team where you're practicing against a walk-on, a 6-2 walk-on who is slower than you and can't defend you and can't, I mean, like, how's that going to get you ready for the NBA? It kind of comes down to a question to himself. He has to say, do I accept a lesser role? Do I accept lesser minutes on a championship team that's going to get me more NBA-like ready? Or do I go and take all the weight on my shoulders and go play at a smaller team where I'm going to play more and more, and the focal point's going to be more on me? I mean, he can still get the NBA either way. Which one's going to be better for him? And he has to put that question on him. Um, Yes, I agree with the question that to get him more NBA ready, it'll be Kentucky. But I think personally, I think... You think it's not just about the NBA with him? Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about if he does leave. If he leaves, can Kentucky still win the national championship? Short answer, yes. See, I don't think they really lose that much. I think you replace Kyle Wiltshire with Marcus Lee. The only thing you really lose is three-point shooting. 
and that's really it. But this team doesn't really lack three-point shooters. It lacks a stretch four in the sense that Kyle Wilcher is a big man that can shoot. I mean, Julius Randle can shoot a little bit, but, I mean, and Art and Alex or Alex Poitras is a good shooter also, but he's more than likely going to be shooting. At, or he's going to most likely be playing the three and not the four. So Kyle Wilcher kind of gives you that four or five guy that can step out, and, and without him, they don't really have it. I mean, Dakari is more like a you – know, maybe he'll get to 15 feet out, but that's probably it. Most of the time he's going to be in the paint. Julius Randle, I think that Coach Cal is going to really implore that he stay in the paint because no one's going to be able to guard him down there. I Marcus think he'll stretch Lee, out some, though. I, I think – I mean, he's going to play on the perimeter some because he's, he's good with the ball. I mean, like, you can't stay in front of him. If you're a four-man, you're going to have a hard time staying in front of him. He's really a good ball handler for Some, a four-man. Somebody's perimeter game that I expect to really – come out this next year is Alex Poitras, who's actually a little bit shorter than Julius Randle. Yeah, he actually measured today at 6'9". Yeah, he did. I think he's about a solid 6'8", though. They said it was with shoes. Yeah. I think he's a solid 6'8". But I expect him to stretch out on the perimeter a little more because last year he shot 40% from the field, or from the three-point range. So, I mean... Usually when he shot it, we thought it was money. So I think the problem, the thing about Alex that you want to see is that he'll be able to drive the ball with more consistency and not get, you know, not have those turnovers and just assert himself more. But I think at the three position with Julius Randle on the floor also and the Harrison twins, I think we're going to really see a good Alex Poitras. And I think that, like I said, Kentucky is deep enough that losing Kyle Wilcher it hurts to an extent. But I think that there are plenty of adequate players that can come in and fill that role. It would hurt a lot more if a guard transferred out rather than uh, Kyle Wilcher. Like if if Aaron Harrison, you know, wanted to leave his brother for whatever crazy reason, that would be more of a blow. Than, or if James Young couldn't get qualified academically or something, I think that would be more of a blow. Um, but I think Kentucky will be fine without Kyle Wilcher. We love Kyle Wilcher, though. We want him to stay. I think he'd be valuable for the team next year. I think so, too. I think he, I think he brings us a sense of veteran, veteran, and I think it'll be, it's going to be good for him either way, I believe. All right, with that, we're going to take our first commercial break, and we'll be right back with more Kentucky Sports Connection Radio. This show is brought to you by Mounts Concrete Finishing. Same great service for the past 25 years. We do sidewalks, driveways, basements, patios, stamped concrete, and all custom flat work. Contact Josh Mouths at 606-875-1170 to get your project started today. Again, that's 606-875-1170. And we're back, Kentucky Sports Connection Radio. Uh, moving on to the second sec- second segment. First segment, we talked about Kyle Wilcher transferring and whether or not we thought he would and repercussions of what happens if he does. Now let's move on to the NBA. Uh, the NBA draft was, was last month. Nerlens Noel went sixth. Archie Goodwin went 29th. Rapid reaction, go. There was a lot of trades in that draft. There was a lot of trades. But let's start without talking about trades. I'll give you another rapid reaction. Wow. The number one pick. Wow. Yeah, Anthony Bennett went number one overall. I don't really have a problem with Anthony Bennett going number one overall. You don't have a problem what with I that? What I do have a Did problem with. Did you expect with, that to happen? No, I didn't expect it to happen. That doesn't mean I, don't have, a, that doesn't mean I have a problem with it. Uh, it happened. It's over with. Oh, well. My my issue was that Nerlens Noel fell to number six. I don't understand how that could happen. I thought after he didn't go number one that he would fall to number three. I did not see him falling past five. And we got to six. I mean, like, if he fell past six, I would have probably, like, been like, whoa, what's happening? I mean, it was really ridiculous. Let's look at the people who got drafted ahead of him. Victor Aladipo, 
you know, you I know what the worst see... thing is about that is that Ben McLemore still didn't get drafted before him. Yeah, and people say that Ben McLemore is the most talented player in the draft. He doesn't even get drafted in front of Nerlens Noel. So you got Anthony Bennett at one. Uh, who is two? Victor Oladipo. Oladipo. Three was I don't even remember. I know four was Zeller. Four was Cody Zeller. Was who did Washington draft? Oh, it's so hard. Five was Alex Lynn. Who was three? See, this is the problem. Nobody even remembers who got drafted third. That tells you all you need to know it was a guard. about the draft. It was a wing. It was a guard or a wing. It wasn't a big man because Alex Lynn went uh, five. Michael Carter-Williams? No. He got drafted later by the Sixers. Trey Burke? No. He went 11th, right? Or 9th. He went 9th. He went later in the draft. Ooh, that's... Oh, man. That's sad. I'm going to have to look it up. Anyway, Nerlens Noel got drafted 6th, and for a little while, we thought he was going to go to New Orleans to play with our guy, Anthony Davis. We should have knew that was too good to be true, though. I, I kind of felt like they would probably have a trade, uh, but I didn't, you know. It was weird because it happened before, like, on Twitter, like, you knew there was a trade happening. So it was like, hey, they picked that guy. Like, oh, it's going to be a block party. Oh, yeah, the shot blocker. Pelicans. Well, you know, I always thought that Anthony Davis could play the four. So I thought maybe that's what they did. Maybe Nerlens, you know, was coming in to play the five. It would have been one heck of a four-five combo when it, if it ever happened. It would have been. It would have been a, a great one uh, to have happen. I thought you would have. You would have. You would have seriously had some. Otto Porter. Otto went Porter. Third. That's, right. that's right. Otto Porter went to the same city that he played college in. Um, I don't really mind. I mean, like if you look at the individual picks themselves, they're not horrible picks. But at the same time, you're thinking, but Nerlens was still available. How did Nerlens not go higher than where he went? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. He's a great player. He's a great teammate. He works extremely hard. He's a great shot blocker. You know, maybe offensively he's not as skilled as some of the guys that went ahead of him. That doesn't really matter. I mean, like, defensively, none of the other guys can hold a candle to him. And if you've got a team that's got good guards and you can score the ball, you need a defensive presence, he's the automatic guy to go to. That's the reason why I thought the Cavaliers would get him. Because the Cavaliers needed a defensive guy like Nerlens Noel to block shots because they had um, – they had good. They got good guard play. They can score the ball. They got Kyrie Irving, the young superstar. The bigs that they have aren't very talented. Bring Nerlens in. He becomes a defensive presence for you. Um, you know, and, and I wouldn't even been too upset if people were just like, "Well, we didn't take Nerlens because of his knee." But there were some of the guys that went ahead of him that have their own injury problems, and Nerlens is getting closer to the end of his rehab. I mean, he, it's not going to be long, and he's going to be able to start practicing again. So I, you know, yeah, everybody keeps saying like, like a Christmas with Nerlens. I'm thinking earlier. I'm like, by August he's going to be like full, like full on. Some of the GMs actually said that compared to Alex Lynn and some of the other big men, compared to Alex Lynn and Anthony, that he was, he was healthier than they were. Um, so it, you know, it's it's a puzzling draft. But again, the the thing that I always say is that these teams just again demonstrate on draft night the reason why they're picking in the lottery. And some of these teams are repetitive teams picking in the lottery because they continue to make poor personnel decisions, and they happen again. I mean, you know, if you want to stake your entire rep- reputation or your entire organization to Anthony Bennett, then that's fine. But 
you know, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, no offense to Alex Lynn. He's a solid player, and he played really good against Kentucky this year. But there's about 20 to 25 players I would have picked ahead of that dude. He scored four points against the University of Denver. Very very valid point. Four. I mean, how did he get in the top five of the draft? I mean, I would have picked Nerlens. I would have picked... I would have picked uh, Cody, now, Cody Zeller, for which Cody Zeller worth, did go above him. For what it's worth, I like Alex Lynn. I think he's get, he's a very good offensive talent, and he moves a lot more agile than you would expect a seven-one white dude to move. I mean, he's not a stiff. He moves very well. But with that said, Nerlens Noel is still a better pro prospect than Alex Lynn. I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. what how you want to cut it. I'll go international on you. I would have picked the guy that got let, picked later in the draft, Livio Jean Charles. Above Alex Lynn. Yeah. I mean, you know. But, I mean, th- again, this was a weak draft, and we saw that with the way that teams moved down. They didn't want to try to move up. You had a lot of teams moving down, and not very many teams wanting to take their spot. Um, the yeah. only team that really made any kind of impact as far as moving up was the 76ers, who took the sixth pick, which was now as well. I mean, the good thing for Kentucky was, which we'll transition into, was Archie Goodwin actually still got picked in the first round. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of surprising. To me, have Archie drafted. I actually had made it up in my mind that I wasn't going to get upset if Archie didn't get drafted. I actually, or at least not in the first round, I didn't think he'd be drafted until the middle of the second round. I, I thought at the end of the first round, you're going to have a lot of teams pick foreign players, and he's just not going to get picked. Somebody, somebody, like there's, you know, predictions, of course, there's many predictions, and somebody had him going 48th in the second round to the Lakers. And I kind of made up my mind that's where he's going to go. That's that's about where he'll fall to. He'll fall between 40 to 50. I thought the teams would just have too many questions about him. But, you know, Coach Cal ended up being right. He's the youngest player in the draft. He works hard. Um, you know, he's going to give you – by the time, he, time he's, you know, played for three years, he's just going to then be 21. Um, so you, it's kind of a low risk. And especially with the draft being as bad as it was, having Archie Goodwin there available – um, only being 18 was was pretty provocative for some teams, and especially for the Phoenix Suns who picked him. Now, both teams that drafted both Archie and and Nerlens, um were actually in the middle of a trade. They actually got traded to teams, but they got traded to teams who actually want their services. I don't even remember. Wants, I don't even remember who drafted Archie. Um, I know was he, it the Thunder? The Thunder. The Thunder traded Archie. It went to like he went to the Warriors and then got traded to the Suns. I thought he was going to stay at the Warriors. I think I, I was yeah. actually pretty excited. It was about like that. at for time we thought he might get to play with Steph Curry. I will say this: the Suns are horrible, but they got better today. They, did. they actually traded for another Kentucky player. Eric Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe is going to be their starting point guard, I would imagine, and he's pretty talented. And I think he's going to shine and having Archie Goodwin there to, to help him. I think it's a great thing. You know, I think you know it's kind of a. I would say rough-edged backcourt, uh, but them two together, they are very explosive. They are very, they are drive. They will, they will score the ball. They will get to the basket. I mean, it's you a know, very, Archie it's a, had a lot of drives last year that he got called for charges on or didn't get a foul when it should have been called. In the NBA, those are all fouls. How much better will um, Archie be that he gets that extra step? He'll be a lot better, and he'll be better. The contact in the lane is always is generally called for the offensive player in the NBA. I mean, I think that's going to help him out a lot. But I'm telling you right now, though, if you're the Suns, draft a shooter. All right, you're going to need one or get one somewhere because Archie yeah, and if, Eric are not shooters. If, if, if that's your if that's your starting backcourt between Gooden and Bledsoe, your three needs to be able to shoot good. Yeah, or your four. 
and maybe even your five. But anyway, uh, that's going to take us to a commercial break. On the next segment, we're going to talk about UK football recruiting. This is Kentucky Sports Connection Radio. Are you looking for a personal trainer? Would you like to be trained by a former UK football player? What if I could tell you you could get the best of both worlds? Dixon Sports Training and Fitness in Somerset is the place for you. Tony Dixon, former UK football player, will put you on the path of getting that rocking body you've always wanted. Contact him today at 606-416-3089 or by email at dixon.fitness at gmail.com. And we're back. Kentucky Sports Connection Radio moving into the third segment. Okay, we already talked about Kyle Wiltshire. We talked about basketball. We talked about the NBA draft. Let's move on to UK football recruiting. and The how other most hot topic in UK news related. Yeah, because it's going amazingly so far. Uh, so far, you know, we've got the number two ranked recruiting class in the nation, according to Rivals.com. We and were number one. a lot one. to be excited about. We were number one. I actually have a screenshot of us being number one for the brief time. There was an Ohio State fan on Twitter who made fun of me about it, but I don't care because it, it was a good thing. Ohio State guys have been hating on you a lot lately. They have been. Um, but anyway, let's not talk about them. Let's talk about the UK currently. Actually, if they're hating on you, that's a good thing. I think so. I think that I think it's a little insecurity on their side from you know Kentucky, you know recruiting against Ohio State. We haven't won very many against Ohio State. The only player that we have that's currently committed to Kentucky that had a firm offer from Ohio State was Thaddeus Snodgrass. Um, he did, drew. They didn't offer Drew Barker. They didn't offer Mikel Orton. They didn't offer several of UK's. Uh, they were close to being the Darius West sweepstakes, weren't they? Um. There was some talk that they would, but they are in on some bigger DBs than Darius West, so I don't think they were going to ever offer Darius West. But okay. um, So right now, Kentucky, the biggest target that's left on Kentucky's board right now is defensive tackle out of, out of uh, Elizabethtown, Kentucky, Matt John, Elam. John Harden High School. John Harden High School, Matt Elam. Uh, recently became a five-star recruit, according to 20, 24-7 Sports. Um, the highest-rated recruit in the state of Kentucky since probably Micah Johnson, um, even higher than Drew Barker is currently. Is, and Drew is he, Barker is a cons- is a consensus four-star on every recruiting service. Is uh, Elam a top is it number eleven overall? Right, is the right? number eleven overall prospect on twenty-four-seven. That's how highly he's rated. Alabama, the Alabama, the University of Alabama, Roll Tide Roll said they. Or Nick Saban told Matt Elam that he was their top prospect at DT. That he was the 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 top prospect a defensive tackle, the only guy they were going after. They've got a few other defensive tackles, but as far as true nose tackles, Matt Elam is the only one they're going after. I think he said that he was the best DT he's seen in a while. No, I mean, not forever, talking, but with Matt Elam, you're talking about a guy that's six six, three hundred and thirty plus pounds. But the problem is, is that if you watch him. He doesn't move like a guy that's six six three thirty. He's not stiff and slow. He is fast and agile. He's like the modern day Warren big. Sapp. I mean, like he's even quicker than Warren Sapp. I think. I mean, he is. He's got. He's got extreme pro potential. He oozes it. Uh, all the tape that I've watched on this kid, he's a flat out amazing prospect. The problem is for Kentucky, and I wrote about this either today or yesterday. Um, I said that for Kentucky, Kentucky plays a four three defense under Mark Stoops. They play four three. They don't. Usually, when you play a four-three, you're looking for a little smaller defensive tackles. You know, you're looking for about three hundred. Is usually about a max. You're looking for a guy like Geno Atkins for the Cincinnati Bengals, two ninety, six-three, six-four, extremely quick, um, but not exactly overwhelmingly powerful like 
Matt Elam. The thing is, though, is that they are selling him that he is a 3, 4, and 5 technique defensive lineman. He can play in any position. He can play in the, de- in the regular defensive tackle. He could potentially be in the NFL a defensive end in a 3-4 scheme. He is, you know, because usually in a 3-4 you're looking for big defensive ends. You're looking for, like, I think there's a, there's a guy that plays for the Seattle Seahawks. I can't remember his name. But in Madden, he's 345. He's a defensive end. It's a really big defensive end. Um, but he, he's, he's got that kind of ability. I mean, he's fast. I mean, like, if you see him on tape, this kid can move. Um, so Kentucky's selling him on the potential of playing at either one of their defensive tackle spots and not having to face the kind of double teams they'll have to face at Alabama. Because if you go to Alabama, you know, if you're, you know, Terrence Cody, you're getting double and triple teamed on the line and all the other players are getting the glory and you're just getting the big check when you get to the NFL. But you come to Kentucky and you're playing in a, in the four, three system, you're only getting double teamed at the most. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, I really don't see why they couldn't just, uh, play him at a one technique all the time. If that's what he really wanted to do, why couldn't they just sell him as a, True nose tackle, one technique guy. Just moving the well, they don't. The they don't side. really play four three. I mean, they don't really play three four. So they don't play with the true nose. Yeah, I but mean, you could. Your strong side would always be to the, your detail. Your strong side tackle would always be your three technique. I mean, you could do that. You could put him there and then put your smaller, faster defensive end on that side, so that if it, if the if the ball you got ran to that side. You know, then you've got Matt Elam over there, but then on the other side, you you got your big defensive end and your smaller defensive tackle, so the line's balanced. Um, I mean, they could do. That's probably what they're telling him. Uh, and then plus, you know, you get to the third down and long situations, they probably got a three down package. I'm sure. Uh, then you're the nose there, and you don't really lose anything from the four three if you got Matt Elam in the middle because you got you got a guy six six three forty who you know could overpower any center. I mean, most centers, you know. Go about two eighty max. Yeah, Six two two eighty. And it, imagine that guy lining up against Matt Elam as quick as he is, and got an eighty pound difference. I mean, th- I feel sorry for centers in the league having to go up against Matt Elam, even as a freshman. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say something about like Matt Elam as a person. I think, I think he's like Jacob Hyde in a lot of ways. I think he's kind of relishing in the love right now. I think he went and he went and set that date with the. Uh, under Army Armour. Uh, under, is it Under Armour or Army All-American game? Or, I know it's Army All-American. I think it's a sponsored by Under Armour. But the Army All-American game, he, which is is, it, is it right at the beginning of January? Yeah. Right at the beginning of January, he'll be announcing his college decision. He is relishing in the fact that Kentucky, his home state, is loving him. All of the recruits want him. Um, Drew Barker is nuts over getting him on their team. Um, and then... Alabama's chasing him at the same time. It's not just Alabama either. Notre Dame's offered. He went and visited, visited Notre Dame. Ohio State's offered him. Um, every one of the big schools has offered him, especially if they play 3-4, because obviously he's the dream nose tackle. I mean, think about it. He's sitting pretty. But at the end of the day, I think he's like Jacob Hyde in the fact that he loves Big Blue Nation. I think he might have been a U.K. fan when he grew up. I think that he loves all the Kentucky recruits. He loves what Kentucky's doing. He ha- he has the he has the the possibility of coming in and doing what Drew Barker's doing and saying as far as coming in and changing the program around and making a difference. And, you know, what does it say for Kentucky that we get a Alabama-caliber guy at Kentucky 
to anchor our difference. Yeah, you know, we've got a few guys that have offers or or from Alabama or or we're close to getting offers. Um that's in the current recruiting class like uh Stanley Williams. Um there's other guys, uh Darius West, uh, Mike Edwards, Drew Barker obviously that were close or at that level. Um so but to get a guy like Matt Elam to stay home because the thing is, is that you've Alabama has a built-in advantage going against Kentucky in this in the respect that he wants to play true. He wants to play nose tackle in college. They've got you know their nose tackle you. Kentucky's point guard you. Alabama's nose tackle you. If you think of big nose tackles in the league, you think of Alabama. And Kentucky, if they were to pull that upset, it would be absolutely huge for Mark Stoops. And I think he's capable of doing it. And based on what we've seen so far, I see no reason to think that he can't do it. I have no reason to believe that Mark Soups can't do whatever he wants to do right now. Absolutely. And if that means getting Marshawn Lattimore, then maybe he will. You Glenville, Ohio State nuts out there. Buckeye nuts. <laughs> Buckeye nuts. Uh, I mean, the only thing we've lost so far is the one guy to Alabama, which, God forbid, we lose a guy to Alabama. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's going to conclude our show for today. If you're not following us yet on Facebook, uh, you can like our Facebook page. Uh, we're Kentucky Sports Connection. You can follow us on Twitter at KY Sports Connection. Follow me on Twitter at KCS underscore Brad. You can follow TJ on Twitter at KSC underscore TJ. All right, that's going to include it for this week, guys. We'll be back next week with a brand new show. Thank you for listening. And we're sounding out now. Stay classy, Big Nation. And let the haters hate. <laughs>